Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I mentioned the stupid Zogby poll on how Tucker Carlson would lose to Meghan Markle if they both ran for president, but uh, they actually asked some serious questions like about how concerned are you about the debt, the national debt, and the numbers will surprise you. They surprised me. Hmm. Hit you with that coming up. What if Billie Eilish ran against Ted Nugent? What then? I just saw Billie Eilish on TV, so now she's doing some sort of lingerie high heels thing. So that... Yeah. That whole I hide my body because I think they put too much emphasis on that was was a, an act. And as long as that worked, and now you're going with the I'm a sex pot thing. In the interview, she said uh, she's always been very insecure about her body, and that's why she went with the baggy clothes thing. It was also but, a, a very great hook to run so counter to. I mean, it got a lot of attention. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. cynical about that sort of thing in the world of pop music. Turns out she's a curvy gal, but uh, it would be distasteful and sexist to comment on her body, which she is now displaying to make herself more famous, which is fine. If she wants to, that's what she does for a living. But mm. I, I I actually read, I don't know what happened to me. I actually read part of the interview uh, in, was it uh, Vanity Fair? Or what was she in? Doesn't matter. Uh, Vogue, um, I think. Vogue, yeah. Glad about, we nailed that down. Why she's doing that and the rest of it. And it's like, okay, all right, fine. Why, why do I care? Why do I care? I didn't when I was younger. Though. I would read those stupid articles about, you know, various musicians and what they thought about things because I was young and had nothing else to do. But once you get past a certain age, you can't imagine caring. Right. Because they're children, most of them. Yes, and there will be a new crop of yep. them in six weeks. Yep. So who cares? Tech uh, company declares that woke employees need to keep politics out of the workplace and a third of the workforce quits. Stay tuned. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, a lot of good stuff. Simon and Schuster in an internal battle. Similar story with their uh, their their snowflake employees demanding that no Trump administration officials should have published books and some of their in- unintentionally hilarious quotes. But I came across this the other day in Forbes, and I absolutely loved it. I grew up in Illinois, uh, right outside Chicago. And uh, consider Chicago land my home, though I haven't lived there for a very, very long time. And uh, the article is why Illinois is in trouble. Let me set this up by saying, by asking, what industry are you in? What do you work in? What What is your just general the feel? Is it travel or finance or tech, whatever? Your industry has lobbyists, right? Or, you know... Uh, preferences for for government what happens if an industry is so giant that its lobbyists have never-ending power over the government that's a problem right it's a special interest it distorts governance well uh, one, one final what if what if that giant employer that giant industry was government itself then you're screwed. You are completely screwed. And that is what we're heading to at a 1,000 miles per hour in the United States, the government being so big it is its own most powerful lobbyist, to wit my home state of Illinois. Why Illinois is in trouble? There are 122,258 public employees who earned a hundred grand or more, costing taxpayers $16 billion despite the pandemic. And I assume that's just their salary... They also are going to get a pension at some point and health care and all that sort of stuff when they retire if they stick around longer. 
Yeah, this is, I believe, purely salary. It doesn't even include benefits, which are a pretty significant part of your compensation. Uh, if especially, you've priced Cobra health insurance lately, you know that. Especially if you're going to get that, you know, after you retire for another 20, 30 years of your life. I mean, that's yeah. huge. Some of the top earners. Here's a uh, community high school. Uh, what does Cobra cost? Is it expensive nowadays? I haven't, I haven't used Cobra in forever. It's insane. Oh, really? It's brutal. Yeah, yeah, brutal. Uh, let's see. Here are some of your top uh, salaries. Here's a uh, a school district superintendent who's making $421,000 a year. Another uh, school district guy, three hundred seventy grand. Uh, community high school, uh, he must be a principal, 364000 All sorts of school employees who are making three hundred fifty grand and up. There's a long list. And congressional bailouts made it possible. The recent $1.9 trillion American Rescue Act provided an additional $13.5 billion to Illinois state and local governments. And you can actually... Uh, Look up um, how much your town got, too. And we'll put the link up at armstrongandgetty.com. But if you are, some of this stuff is, is, is hilarious. I'm in the wrong damn job. Barbers with the prison system earned $115,000. Prison barbers, $115 grand. And I still think, I, I, I always say this with these, these state jobs, focusing on the salary is, I mean, that's, that's nice, but man. People, families I know who like, you know, one of them is in the private sector for all the opportunity there and the other one gets a state job. And it's not because of the salary usually. It's because of all the, the, the benefits that come up, come with that, including health care. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the janitors at the state toll highway authority. These are guys who sweep up cigarette butts at the toll booths, make 123 grand. I think they get run over a lot though. So <laughs> maybe. Well, well, look out. Well, maybe you got to pay the Right. Oh, boy. Bus drivers in Chicago. What do you think a bus driver in Chicago makes? I'm just sure. in your, wherever you are, just make a sure guess. a lot, and you're going you're gonna to grumble and be angry at all your customers for 20 years, then you're going to retire with a pension and health care. $174,000. There you go, because you couldn't get anybody to do that for less than that. See, that's the argument, right? you got to pay that much to get a decent person to do that job, which is obviously not true. Why doesn't everybody understand the economics of public employees? You pay as little as you can. You pay whatever the lowest amount is you can to get a qualified person in that job. Sure. Period. And why That's what your employer's doing. Yeah, and why doesn't everybody agree with that? And I don't care whether it's a cop, a firefighter, or a bus driver... You pay the least you can to get a qualified person. If you're not getting qualified people, then you have to pay more. But at the point that you're getting qualified people to apply, no more. And we're talking fully qualified, excellent people. Sure. But, but again, no more. What's your experience getting on, you know, out of the not recent ex- personal experience with bus drivers in Illinois, but just in general, you get a bus driver. You think that's something that 90% of a public couldn't do? Why are you we paying them so much? Yeah, yeah. Line workers at the Chicago Transit Authority earned $222,278. Oh, sure. Makes perfectly good sense. Community college presidents made four hundred eighteen grand. How that's probably you... a pretty complicated job, but that's... Yeah. Oh, give me a break. You're going to tell me you couldn't get somebody to do that for ninety grand? Sure you could. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, university doctors earned up to $2 million. Wow. Wow. That is something. That's because, you know, if you're not familiar with how this works, you have uh, union lawyers on one side of the bargaining table 
and then representing the taxpayers are union uh, uh, lawyers who got elected to the legislature. And they're just scratching each other's backs. Uh, let's see. Uh, last year, nearly 25,000. Yeah. Plus, a lot of the government crowd has this weird belief that I've never understood on why you should overpay public employees. I don't get your reasoning. But, right. But a lot of you feel that way. Last year, nearly 25,000 educators earned a six-figure salary, while more than 15,500 retirees received six-figure pensions. In fact, 16 retired school superintendents pocketed $300,000 a year in retirement pensions. Teachers deserve more money. Prison guards, hard job. Firefighter, please. No. You how about pay, prison barbers? You pay how much you have to pay to get qualified applicants to apply for the job. And I'm telling you, it could be a hell of a lot less. And, and the, people in these industries will tell you this, too, because whenever they have the job opening, there's like a gazillion people who want that job, which means you could pay less. I don't understand what you mean. The, uh, oh, where was it? The Chicago Police and Fire Departments paid nearly a 1,000 employees between two and $430,000 in cash compensation. Again. Not benefits or anything. That's just the cash. A thousand people earned two hundred thousand plus in the Chicago Police and Fire Department. And then, then we, I, I'm from a blue state. I probably shouldn't say we, but uh, everybody else uh, bailed out those states that had been spending. So they were so mobbed up with public employee mm. union goons. They spent themselves into oblivion. Now the other states have have bailed them out. That's painful. Yeah. That is painful. Which means yeah. that will continue. Oh, my God, that's awful. Well, cities and states have taken it hard because of the pandemic. Tax receipts are down, says Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and, and, and uh, Nancy Pelosi. And never a mention of, you're paying your cops too much. You've got more money you're spending on retired cops than current cops. You're, you're paying this person, that person, your bus drivers, all these people too much. Nobody ever says that. It's true, but nobody ever says that. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, oh my God, look at that. Okay, well, that's enough of that. You get the point. Man, that's frustrating. Tech company says, hey, don't bring your woke to work, and a third of the company quits. Um, I should hit you with the percentage of people that are worried about our national debt. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Uh, maybe, okay. Maybe you can explain it to me. I, I I don't know whether the number is going to be extraordinarily low or high. It's I can't tell. It's Your poker face is across well. the board for all parties, independents, Republicans, and Democrats. Wait a minute. And then why are we getting what we're getting? Why are we doing what we're doing? I don't know. Details on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Monday of this week, my children were the targets of attempted kidnap, which is such a weird thing to even vocalize, but it happened. And I want to share that story with you in an effort to raise awareness as to what signs to look for and to just encourage parents to be more aware of their surroundings and what is going on around them. That's a woman in Sonoma, California, who's facing two misdemeanor charges. Four months after she accused a couple from Petaluma of attempting to kidnap her two children 
at a local craft store. She would, oh. later, she would later document the allegations, now widely viewed as the case of racial profiling in two Instagram videos that garnered four and a half million views across social media and set off a firestorm of media attention. Somehow we skipped it or missed it. Anyway, the couple found themselves in the crosshairs of the growing controversy last year. Our longtime local residents and parents to five, they expressed relief over the news Thursday afternoon following months of campaigning to hold her accountable for the fact that she made this crap up. Huh. She a crazy now, was person? it Hobby Lobby? Because uh, I have a vague memory of the story. And I remember at the time thinking it sounded a little odd. Uh, Michaels, same same thing. Michaels, yeah, yeah. Noticed a Hispanic couple really looking at her kids and walked up close to them. Or so I can't even remember, but yeah, sounds like so a she made job. it up. Huh? Anyway, yeah. there is a penalty to pay for that, so don't do that. Um, Zogby poll: two thirds of business leaders are very or somewhat concerned about the national debt and that it will hurt their businesses. Two-thirds of business leaders are worried about the national debt. Okay. Ah, okay. But how about just regular people? Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Republicans, of course, are worried about our deficit. 75% worried, 23% not worried. But 65% of Democrats are worried, and 57% of independents are worried about our national debt. So if we have overwhelming concern about our national debt. How are we getting politics from both parties that don't seem to care about it at all? Well, I'm concerned I eat too much. Now give me another slice of pie. <laughs> I just, it's, all it is is lip service, apparently. I feel like they just disagree on the solutions. One side wants to solve it by cutting spending. The other side wants to solve it by raising taxes. Yeah, that could be. That could be. Yeah. That that and you probably need a little bit of both. Yeah, well, that's what the great what the Simpson Bowls. That was our greatest effort. That's what John Boehner's been talking about in his book. When he and Obama came so close to actually enacting the Simpson Bowles plan, a, a blue ribbon commission that actually came up with a way to get us on a sustainable path and get all these things taken care of, it was going to raise a, a lot of taxes were going to be raised and a lot of things were going to be cut. All kinds of things were going to happen. There's going to be pain for everyone, but they couldn't come to an agreement, and so we just continue to soldier on, wanting to get two dollars worth of government for uh, for a buck. Yeah, yeah. I just think you know the, the the society is reflected in the families, and the society is reflected in the government. We just we have a society where we talk about being responsible, but then aren't we spend wildly? Yep. And and so you know it's difficult to condemn the government for doing the same sure. thing people are doing themselves. There you go. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm shocked by those numbers. I mean, it, it almost sort of gives me hope, but then, I don't know, maybe Sean's right. Maybe that's the problem. It was. Uh, do I remember correctly that it was a Republican primary or something like that, and they asked the people on stage, if you could get 90% yeah. cuts and 10% tax increases, would you take that deal? And I think most of them or all of them said no. All but one. Yeah. I don't remember who it was, but they got lambasted because we're in this weird, you're 100% what you are world. And you'll lose in a primary to somebody of your own party if you aren't. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, woke company. Uh, good third luck. Of them. Just I'll, my last Go comment. On it. Go ahead. Good luck getting re- elected anywhere as a Republican. Where you're going to say, "Look, we're going to have to raise taxes. We're that. We're twenty-two trillion dollars in debt. Some taxes are going to be raised, but here are the programs I want to cut." Or if you're a Democrat that says, "Look, we're going to have to have some cuts to programs." We can't be this generous with our welfare fair state. 
mm-hmm. and be a Democrat. There's, there's no, there's no, you can't go there. Well, and what really, and, and we'll get to the other stuff in a minute or two, but what really it, it makes it clear how crazy a situation we're in is you don't even have a progressive saying, we got to find like the bloated, wasteful stuff in government so we could apply that money to, to places where it's really needed. You can't even admit that there's bloat and corruption and fraud and redundancy and the rest of it. That would be sounding too much like a conservative, I guess. I don't know. I think this is no way to run a country. No. We're doomed. Doomed! Uh, I really want to do the Simon & Schuster thing and this woke company deal, but I'll tell you the woke company thing. Uh, Like a bridge over troubled water. Simon & Schuster? Uh, Wrong. Uh, About a third of the employees at software company Basecamp quit days after their bosses told them keep ideology out of the workplace and focus on the company's actual business. Said the CEO in a memo, we make project management, team communication, and email software. We don't have to solve deep social problems. We don't have to chime in publicly whenever the world requests our opinion on the major issues of the day or get behind one movement or another with time or treasure. These are all important topics, but they're not our topics at work. He went on in that vein. A large number of his employees quit. We'll tell you more about that story, plus the internal battle at Simon & Schuster over what books are okay to publish. And poetic justice for the world's most unfortunate-looking bird. (laughs) What? I said poetic justice for the world's most unfortunate-looking bird. That's what I said. All right, then. All right. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As I mentioned earlier, poetic justice for the world's most unfortunate-looking bird. So stay tuned. Can't even imagine. Did the bird write a poem? Stay tuned. I'm guessing that the handheld vacuum technology has advanced in the last several years. Because I need one, but the last one we had was just an exercise in frustration. Like over a single crumb. It was like playing some sort of bizarre, Wait, so boring video game. Dustbusters? <clears throat> that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah your handheld, uh, you know. No, we've, we've, we've had good ones and bad ones. Main thing is you got to clean the filter a lot. I mean, the filter gets gummed up fast. And then from that point on, you do the, you got one Cheerio and you're just going, yeah. it just won't pick up the one Cheerio. <laughs> and you refuse to pick it up with your hand. No, you'll pick up the, the Cheerio, principle. look at it, put it back down, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Put it, you know, yes. try to pick it up again. Yes, because this thing costs $75. Pick up the freaking Cheerio. <laughs> Was there jelly on it? Was it stuck to the, no, all right, all right, let's try this again. <laughs> we had one that was great. I don't remember what brand it was, though. Those are handy, so handy for your car, your home. If you got kids, they're a must. Yeah, we got the stairs. You got like the carpet in the middle of the stairs, and then hardwood on the other side. What am I gonna do? Like with a dust cloth, like some sort of sucker? No. Anyway. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll maybe I'll go to the uh, the store and like try. some sort of sucker. We watched the Simpsons episode where Homer says, and so now my son Sam always says, "Now I'm using my legs like a sucker." Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me, that guy who wrote, like, the most Simpsons ever did a, a guy super reclusive, never does interviews, never has. He did a super long interview 
I guess. John Schwartzgeller? Schwartzenegger? I can't remember his name. <laughs> it's not that last one, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh, If you're a big Simpsons fan, it's, re- it's really cool. Uh, anyway, uh, getting back to the story I started to tell earlier, Basecamp's the name of the company. The CEO, they're wasting so much time being woke at work. He finally writes a memo to everybody. Look, we make project management, et cetera, et cetera, software. We don't have to solve deep social problems, chime in publicly whenever the world requests our opinion on the major issues of the day, or get behind one movement or another with time or treasure. These are all important topics, but they're not our topics at work. According to tech journalist Casey Newton, about one-third of the company's roughly 60 employees took buyouts shortly after with one fuming. Basically, the company said, well, your opinions don't really matter unless it's directly related to business. A lot of people are going to have a tough time living with that. Here's how it all came up. So a new hire, quote, volunteered to help the company work on diversity issues. Okay. So it's a newbie who says... Volunteered. Yeah, I'm, I think I would like to help this company with some of its diversity First issues. First meeting. I'm new cool. here, but I would like to volunteer to be in charge of diversity issues here at the company because I notice there's not enough diversity. Um, uh, Yeah, okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Danger. Danger. This included, the working on diversity included criticizing the fact that for years many employees had contributed to a list called the Best Names Ever, in which they placed funny customer names, like the sort of names Bart Simpson used to use uh, when he pranked Mo the bartender, Amanda Hugginkiss, Seymour Butts. Is there Amanda Hugginkiss here? Why can't I find Amanda Hugginkiss? (laughs) Maybe his standards are too high. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the truly distasteful Mike Roch. So anyway, they uh, compiled the list of actual funny customers with funny names. A third of the company joined a diversity initiative behind the volunteer, and two employees who had contributed to the list of funny names asked why Why have we never had an internal reckoning over that list? Oh, good they Lord. apologized for their involvement and included a link to something called the Pyramid of Hate from the Anti-Defamation League. I've seen this Pyramid of Hate. On the bottom of the pyramid, Jack, is non-inclusive language and microaggressions. At the top is genocide. And the point being, if people or institutions treat behaviors on the lower levels as being acceptable or normal, you end up with genocide. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that you do. (laughs) Of course you do. So the base camp chief technology officer and co-founder, uh, condemned the list of funny names, but found the invocation of genocide to be an example of catastrophizing that had the effect of shutting down rational conversation, which is exactly right. And, and uh, uh, Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff wrote a brilliant book about it, uh, how, how young people are making themselves crazy, partly because they act like the tiniest little offense is just disastrous and they have to lie in bed weeping for a week. Uh, when one employee continued to push this line of logic, Hansen pointed out that the employee himself had participated in just making fun of customers' names. You're the person you're complaining about, he thought. But soon after, they made it clear the woke ones, we're going to change the culture, and I'm apologizing for the sins of my past, and uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they said, look, no more societal and political discussions on official company channels. It's a major distraction. It saps our energy. It redirects our dialogue toward dark places. But on Twitter, John Breen, whose bio describes him as a he-him, ADHD, software, software developer, queer, high-maintenance, 
tallied the exodus in a thread that began, let's keep track of the folks who are leaving base camp and do what we can to find them a new home where they're allowed to exist without being told they're divisive. (laughs) So a third of the company left. So some people put in their list of things they are high maintenance. Why would you want to say that to people? I'm high maintenance. It's uh, it's a thing. I mean, huh. it's uh, I didn't know that was something you put on there. Yeah, it's kind of worn as a badge of uh, honor. You know, or yes, is it, or, I'm or, high or is it a, or is it supposed to be like I'm admitting up, like saying I'm an alcoholic or something? It's no, I think it's like saying uh, yes, I'm a diva. I'm a bit of a diva, of course I am. Okay. It's that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. it's it's a pretension. Uh, but on a similar topic, I just absolutely love this. I hate it, but I love it. A bunch of young uh, snowflakes at Simon & Schuster, the legendary uh, publisher. What have they been around for, 100, 200 years? I mean, forever. Um, They petitioned the company not to publish any books from anybody who served in any capacity in the Trump administration. And I love... Yeah, this whole book thing is weird. So have you been following the one about the uh, biography of Philip Roth, the author? I have not. I don't know if that's Simon & Schuster or not. So he's uh, one of the greatest authors uh, in the uh, novelists in the history of the English language, and certainly in America, and may end up with a Nobel Prize someday. Um, he's he's that level. So the best biography ever written about him is just coming out. All the reviews are just raving about how this is the biography of the author in America. So if you like that sort of thing, you like that sort of thing. Okay, but. Something came out about the author of the biography after the book has already been reviewed and is about to be released. I forget what the guy's got. He's, he, he, uh, uh, he came on to an intern or something like that. It was a Me Too thing. But so they decided not to pull the book. They decided to pull the book. To pull the book, yeah. They're yeah. not, they're not going to publish it. It's already yeah. been reviewed. It's fantastic. Everybody loves it. It's about this author. Everybody who likes this author wanted to read the book, but the book's not going to be published because the guy who wrote the biography came, came on, on to, to an end. Yeah. What, what kind of world do we live in now? It's just crazy. A stupid one. I'd say. Boy, and good luck. If you're going to go back through history and treat it that way, good luck with any music. Any, well, good luck with anything. Architecture. The clothing design. We're tearing down this building because the designer once showed his penis right. to a girl at a drunken college party. Yeah, beautiful. Or wasn't up to speed on race or whatever. You know, the argument by the woke crowd is you can call it cancel culture. We call it a responsibility culture where you're held responsible for what you've done. Yeah, but the problem is there's no due process and there's no proportion to it. You know, I don't know what this author about the author, and uh, somebody will probably write a book about him someday. Um, <laughs> it did, but come on, you're going to cancel the entire book? It's just dumb. Anyway, so these employees at Simon & Schuster uh, it, it petitioned the company. Uh, it was hundreds of them, too. You can't publish any books from the Trump administration. Well, the, the head of Simon & Schuster said, yeah, our, uh, our core mission includes publishing a diversity of voices and perspectives, so we're publishing a book. Shut up. Uh, but I love this quote. And this shows you, you know, what we're dealing with. An online petition says Simon & Schuster has chosen complicity in perpetuating white supremacy by publishing Mike Pence and continuing to distribute books for blah, blah, blah. Of course, always white supremacy. The petition accuses Mr. Pence of advocating for policies that were racist, sexist, and discriminatory toward LGBTQ plus people, among other criticisms. And this is the key sentence. This is not a difference of opinions. This is legitimizing bigotry. In your opinion, the whole 
my opinions aren't opinions, they're facts. I have facts, you have opinions. I have the truth, you have opinions. How can how do people not understand how idiotic and hubristic that is? I don't I don't get it. Well, this is this is not an opinion, this is fact. Poetic justice for the world's most unfortunate looking bird. This bird had actually been designated many years ago by people who were into birds, the world's most unfortunate looking bird. <laughs> it's a but but for reasons that I'll explain in a second, it has become the most Instagrammable bird in the world. And uh, they did enough research and found that if you're going to have a bird picture on Instagram, it's almost always this bird. I have Instagrammed so, zero birds. It's because it does make, if you need a bird picture, here, I'll show it to you. If yeah. you need a bird picture for uh, for something, <laughs> it's great. And what's the main That's feature? That's a heck of a bird. The main feature is that, that, that makes it so Instagrammable is that it's both its eyes face forward instead of being on the side of its head, like ah. looking away, like pretty much every other bird. On yeah. this bird, they're close together and facing forward like a cartoon bird or a person, right. like a and Muppet his, bird. And his beak seems to have the, the, the manic grin of the, the partier. They call that RBF, resting bird face. So he's kind of got, <laughs> he's kind of got this angry look all the time. With yeah. his eyes facing forward and his mouth open, and it's just, it's, it is very Instagrammable. If you need a bird picture to go with your meme, this yes. is the bird. Yeah, it looks less angry than just kind of crazed, <laughs> like it might do anything. So, anyway. Wow, we'll post a picture at armstrongandgetty.com if you're not, I'm probably seen it, but I'm so not familiar with it. So, poetic justice for the world's most unfortunate looking bird. Huh? Turns out, I was just, before technology came along that showed why I am the perfect bird. Ah, or something, something like that. <laughs> like the ugly duckling, but different. Oh, speaking of unfortunate looks, I know you're considering going to Tijuana for some off-the-books Mexican plastic surgery from a guy who may or may not be a doctor. I know that's tempting to save the money. Please don't do it. Until you hear the story that's coming up next. Oh boy. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Four, maybe we'll uh, dive back into last night's 60 Minutes about China, that first story with uh, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State. Man, that was... I've been on this China thing for a long time now, and even even for somebody who's aware of what's going on, it was a little sobering. Yeah. When you see their legions of soldiers and their brand new ships, and here they have the biggest navy in the world, yeah, that gets your attention. And, And heartily singing their national anthem. I mean, they're... They look like countries throughout history that are about to do something. They're on the march. There is no doubt. I got some questions about the diplomatic soft talk that kind of happens, too, where they can't really say what they want, but it it really stuck out to me last night in in some of the answers. From our side? Yeah, yeah. What I think is interesting that we're still kind of doing that, they aren't really. (laughs) No, they do the opposite. Yeah, so that meeting that happened up in Alaska six weeks ago now, I have read so much about and heard, listened to so many podcasts, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, them lecturing us the way they did. And, and most people that I listen to do not think that our side 
that Anthony Blinken stood up hard enough against those people. Kind of got caught by surprise by the belligerence from the Chinese. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, but, uh, man, they let us have it. And we just kind of said, yeah, well, yeah, we do some bad things, but we're working on it. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, oh, too, that part of it. Little yeah. too, you know, just, just uh, letting, well, admitting, yeah, okay, you got a point. We got some yeah. problems. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Before we even get to any of our problems, you're committing genocide against a million people. Don't lecture me about it. I think we needed more of that. Yeah, I would agree. There's a caution, though, in diplomacy, Sean, to your question that you always you can always say it tomorrow. Why don't we think about it How about some if more? your opponent's saying it to you right there in your face and the whole world is watching? You know what the world saw out of that? Here's the tough side. Here's the aggressive side. Here's the retreating, kind of embarrassed by themselves side. That's what the world saw. Mm. Mm. Strong stuff. I think Anthony Blinken on that stage was a reflection of what we are as a country. We're kind of just... We're kind of sorry, world, that we are what we are. Yeah. Timid and apologetic. Timid and apologetic. Yeah. Yep. Our original air names, by the way. Very low ratings. Played a lot of that up, up, and away song. I guess guess we could take some calls. I'm sorry. sorry. We'll get to them. We'll we'll get to them, maybe. (laughs) I'm sorry. I talk too loud. I'll keep my voice down. I'm I'm afraid to take too many calls. Uh, Yeah, we played a lot of bread music at that time. Uh, Moving along. Three gals from California went to get cosmetic work done in Tijuana at the Art Silhouette misspelled first clue. Know how to spell silhouette. <laughs> and if your, plast- your Mexican plastic surgeon can't spell it properly, you probably don't want to get there, go there. But all three women went to the clinic run by Dr. Jesus Manuel Baez Lopez. Uh, for some cut-rate plastic surgery. That's one of the most soap opera names I've ever heard in my life. Which one? Dr. Jesus Manuel Baez Lopez? (laughs) (laughs) It points out that Americans often go to Tijuana for medical services in search of low-cost options, but doctors caution, bargain shopping for cosmetic surgeries in particular are risky. Of these three gals from SoCal, who went to uh, Tijuana to this guy's clinic, the lucky one was in the hospital for two weeks. One has had kidney failure and is on dialysis, oh. and the third one is with God now. But how long has this guy been in business? I would think you could only do this for a couple of weeks before uh, well, somebody's going to cave your head in or you get shut down even by the Mexican authorities. Sure, or you do that to the uh, the the chop job to the wrong uh, yeah. cartel guy's uh, wife or whatever. Well, they're well, not going to go. They're not going to send their wives to a silhouette with one L. Probably not. I no, f- I feel like there should be a definitive list of things that it is okay to bargain shop for. Right, and a certain things that you do not bargain shop for, and surgery <laughs> seems like one of the latter. Yeah, go ahead and get the good kind. As it turns out, Doctor Jesus Manuel Baez Lopez, he's got at least two evil twins. Uh, did not respond to medical, uh, I'm sorry, multiple uh, requests from that the San Diego. That would make them what? triplets, Sean. <laughs> they would be triplets if you had Idiot. two evil twins. <laughs> Idiot. The doctor did not respond to multiple requests for the Union Tribune for comment in person, etc., etc. Uh, Baja California's Secretary of Health did not respond to requests for comment. Uh, the professional organization of plastic surgeons in Mexico said, we never heard of the guy. The what now? <laughs> Jeez, did he have any idea what he was doing? Like, hey, he even Googled it, like, to figure out kind of what you're supposed to do? <laughs> he won't comment, Jack. 
Um, and indeed, at one point in April 2015, the Mexican authorities shut down his clinic for failing to meet the minimum requirements to operate legally. So these gals, just, I don't know, they found him on the Internet or something? Man. And said, yeah, you can go ahead and carve on me. Oh, man, crazy. But all three of them, they're screwed. There's nothing they can do. The Mexican authorities are not particularly interested in cooperating. You can't sue them. Well, at least in the United States, there's something you can do. But that that happens a lot, usually in Florida, or at least you hear about it in Florida a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people getting knockoff garage liposuction or something. Sure, yeah. But here's an interesting aspect of this story. It's believed that all three women were part of what's known as the boom, the Zoom boom of plastic surgery. People spend all day or a chunk of their day in an online meeting with their colleagues, and they keep glancing at their picture, and I'm looking kind of flabby there. My neck, does it? My neck looks like that from that angle? I'll be damned. And and, and plastic surgery is booming now. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's been a little bit of uh, mirth in this story, but it's no joke what happened to these gals. I mean, not even a little bit. Well, uh, come on now. There are grown people that made this decision. So, come on. Yeah. Have at least the slightest buyer beware. All right? Yeah. I can't feel too sorry for you. You made a really, really, really stupid decision. So you don't think I should go to Juarez City for my penile enlargement? Oh, my God. I mean, I just, I'm asking you as a friend, yes or no, should I? (laughs) No? Check the Yelps, at least. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.